before I share the word, I, we started pop-up back this week, and I just want to share a couple of little things that happened that were really exciting. It's We've always built pop-up on this idea of um, we want to bless our community, we want to mis- minister to them, we want to show them God's love in a very real way, uh, in a practical way. and um, and But we've also wanted to show them God and, and introduce them to God in a significant way. You know, just this week, um, a couple of really exciting things. Benito came home and he was talking to one of the mums of one of his youth kids that come along to pop up and she was telling him different things that were going on in her life and when he, he said, as I was listening to it, just different, difficult, really tragic things and he was feeling a bit overwhelmed by it all. And, uh, and so he goes, I don't know what, I'm, what I can say or what I can do. And he just said to her, can I pray for you? Yeah, just simply, can I pray for you? Uh, all this stuff is huge. And can I just pray and ask God to help? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. And so he just spent some time praying for her. And, uh, and after the conversation went on, she goes, I, you know, I'd love coming here and... And I'd, I'd come to church more, but every time I come to church, I just want to cry. And so I don't want to cry in front of everyone. But, uh, and he just encouraged her with that. But the, the fact that there was just the moment where he could just pray for her. It's not about having all the answers or all the solutions, but just being a presence for them. And being present in their life and, and letting them know that they've got support and care. And, and there's another young mum who comes and she's uh, involved with us and she was sharing how she volunteered somewhere else and at that time when she was volunteering the partner of her ex walked into the shop and she said to uh, this person normally I would want to kill them but something must be working with you guys because I, I actually felt empathy for her and sympathy for her and I, I just felt real care and compassion for her. Uh, and she said, being in this environment and being amongst you guys has, is making a difference in my life. So just little things and just little change. And so I just I, I share that because all you guys support us in pop-up, whether, you know, your prayers or you're there on a Wednesday night and, and being involved or you're giving, it all helps. And I just want to encourage you guys in what you're doing. And, and it is making a difference in our community. People's lives, it might be small, but, you know, it's only from little things, big things grow. Amen? And that God changes lives, and he is changing people's lives, which is really, really exciting. Which um, brings me to my message for today. And we've been doing this series about God is, if you remember. Talking about who God is, his character, his nature. Uh, and... Um, I shared about God is faithful, Benito shared about God is near, and last week Dan shared a great message about God is grace. Uh, and as we've been doing this, I've been reminded, and I just want to preempt what I want to share today with these thoughts, because I've been reminded and really encouraged by the, the reason why it's so important to know who God is. Because the reality is when we know who God is, we actually discover who we are. 
The Bible teaches us that we are created in the image of God. Now, the, the reality is, is when sin came in, let me say this, and I don't know how to say it any other way, but it, it's really straightforward, but sin came in and it really destroyed that image that we were created in. It distorted it so greatly. It, the, one way you could imagine it is, is like a car, a beautiful brand new car with all the gadgets and everything, just doing one of those, you know, crash test dummy things, you know, when you watch them and they just hit, hit a wall and they're just testing how strong it is. But that's what it was like when humankind met sin. It distorted us totally out of the image that we were created in. And so it, rather than being able to reflect the image of God, which is all these character traits we've been talking about, we reflect other things because we've become so distorted by sin. We reflect things like selfishness. We reflect things like power and control, that we want to control and have power over things. But we were never designed to do those things. We were, ne we were created in the image of God. And, and sin distorted us so much that God had to do something about it and he sent his son Jesus. He sent his son Jesus, yes, to, to save us from sin, but most importantly, he sent Jesus to restore within us the image of God. And in that way, he gave us a point of view or a point of reference where we no longer define ourselves by our own self or even each other, but that we would define ourselves and our image and who we are by who God is and by God himself. And that's what this series is all about. Remember the first week we talked about God is faithful. And the reality of that is if we are children of God created in his image, then we are called as well to be faithful. Isn't that right? which is really important in a world where faithfulness is not a highly valued commodity, amen? Other than people's football teams, people are very faithless to everything else. That's the reality. Faith, faithless to their spouses, faithless to all sorts of things. And you know that. But God has called us in his image to be faithful. Benito shared the other week about the fact that God is near and this is the reality of of the character of God and, and that we're created in his image, that he has called us also to be near. That obviously to be near to God, but also to be near to each other. So the truth is our image is not one of independence and isolation, which so often becomes a reality in our world where we get isolated or we think, oh, I'm independent, I can do everything on my own. But no, God calls us to be near to him and each other so we're a part of a community, that we do this together, that we're not in this alone. Amen? And as Dan shared powerfully last week about grace, God is grace. For if we're created in God's image and he, we have received his grace freely and so extravagantly, then it makes sense that we are now to show the same sort of grace to those around us. Amen. Now, don't tell Benito this. He's not here today. 
but I'm going to share a quote that he spoke. Don't tell him, otherwise he'll get a big head and I'll never hear the end of it. But he explained it this way, which was really powerful. He says, what God does, his actions, is who God is, his character. God loves us, so God is love. God is gracious toward us, so God is grace. And I love this bit. God cannot ever act in any way that contradicts who God is. God can never, cannot ever act in any way that contradicts who God is. Let me say this. My prayer for myself, for us as a church, is that we would live like God lived. That's our vision. That's what we're about. And that, Can you think about that we would be like God, that we would be created in his image, and that we, imagine if we would never act in any way that contradicts who we are as children of God. Can you imagine that? Is it possible? I pray it is. I pray God help me to never act in any way that contradicts who I am as a child of God. I don't know about you, but how incredible would that be? How incredible would it be if the church of Jesus Christ actually acted and looked like Jesus Christ? Can you hear me? How incredible would that be? We see so much rubbish in our media and everywhere of churches not behaving like Jesus Christ. What if, what if we chose to say, God, help us act in a way that never contradicts who we are as your body, as your church? That's what this is all about. This is what this God Is series is all about. It's about us knowing who God is so that we can know who we are. And when we know who we are, created in the image of God, that we would live lives that honour the image that we bear. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for your message today. Pray for the reality that it is that we would be your image bearers. That's what you came to restore to us. An image that was so distorted and so broken that you came to heal. It says in your word that you came to heal the brokenhearted, to give sight to the blind and make the lame walk, set the captive free. And God, we stand here in this place, we sit here and we know that that's who you are and that's what you've done for us. And God, I pray that in, as I share today this new facet of your character that you would show us and help us to live it out in the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're going to look at a new facet of God's character. And it's one that's spoken about a lot. And you've probably heard me speak about it a lot in this church, but it is God is love. How's that? God is love. Um, 1 John 4, 7 to 10 tells us, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, you read that passage, it makes it very clear to what we've been talking about. God's actions prove who he is. So we know God is love because his actions of sending Jesus to take away our sins shows how much he loves us. God is love and his actions reflect who he is. He doesn't say he is love and then do something that isn't loving. And so in the same way, for us as his children, we need to also accept his love and allow it to be a compass for our own lives, a point of reference, a way that we learn how to do life and what our lives should look like. But for us to do that, we need to understand what God's love is. Isn't that right? So we're going to delve into that a little bit now to say what God's love is like. Now, pretty simply... Number one, I'm going to share three things with you about God's love. But number one is God's love is unlimited. We know the verse, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, you need to understand what it means by God's love is unlimited is basically this idea that it's available to everyone. For God so loved, he didn't say people in Largs North. For God so loved people in Australia. No, he's, for God so loved the world, everyone. That tells me that God has no favourites. That in God's eyes, we are all equal. I share this a lot and I talk about it a lot. But the reality is, to God, his love is not limited to white people. It's not limited to black people. It's not limited to even races like Jewish or Arab or anything like that. God's love is for all. It's unlimited. And this is a really important thing for us to understand because God is all about equality. And so for us as children of God, we should also be all about equality. That means when we see those, like Ashok sharing about, those who aren't don't have equal access to help and need and and are poor and that we should be all about helping and making a difference to those who don't have the rights and the, the, the conditions that we have. In Australia, this is so real because we have so much goodness and prosperity and and so even in these times of economic difficulty we are still so blessed but there are people in our nation like our first nations people the aboriginal people who don't have those same conditions if you're aboriginal you're more likely to be in jail if you're aboriginal you're more likely to die at least 10 years earlier than any other person in australia If you're Aboriginal, you're more likely to be illiterate. And that's just not right. And so as the church, we need to stand up for that stuff. We need to say that we are all created equal in the eyes of God. 
And so as a church, we are going to believe that. So we need to think about really clearly about these things that they put towards us, the voice and things like that, and think we need to consider the importance of that and how that's going to look. Because as Christians, we need to really stand for equality, which means we need to see Aboriginal people lifted up to where they rightfully belong. And if it takes a voice, it takes a voice, and we should stand by it. That's the reality of it. I don't often get political here, but I, I don't, it's not political. It's about people being respected and valued as all of us are. Amen? Amen. And so this also means, because the reason there is inequality in the world is because of sin. And whether it's your own personal sin or the sin that's in the world, you need to understand that sin will never limit God's love. God's unlimited love can't be controlled. And God's unlimited love can't be stopped. There's a scripture in Romans 8, 38 to 39. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not anything, anything. Can you think of anything outside of anything? No. Nothing can separate us from God's love. It is unlimited. It is everywhere and nothing can stop us receiving God's love. The second thing that we hear a lot is God's love is unconditional. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So understand, God's love is unlimited. It's not limited by anything. But at the same time, it's not as well. It's unconditional. So the situation you find yourself in right now today has no effect on God's love in your life. No matter how you behave or whatever social status you find yourself in today, maybe you find yourself in great lack, it doesn't mean God sees you any differently to someone with much. Because God's love is unlimited. Now, we find this hard, unconditional. We find this hard to grasp in our world today because we live in such a performance-based society. Isn't that right? Those who perform well, we put up on pedestals and we think are fantastic. And let me say this, unfortunately, that same mentality has swept into the church where we become so performance-based that we're all about... That, you know, those who are doing well, let's elevate them and, and let everyone know, you can, get the, you can have this in your life. But that's not how God's love works. God loves because, as the Bible says, God is love. That means it is not based on our righteousness or our goodness or our performance. The the best picture of this in the Bible is the story of the lost son. We know it as the prodigal son. 
which powerfully shows God's unconditional love. You know the story that God, ne- the, the Father never stopped loving the Son, even when the Son did the most disrespectful thing he could do. When the Son went to his dad and said, I can't wait till you die, so give me my inheritance now. Basically, that's what he said. Like, pretty well, I wish you were dead, but you're not going to die anytime soon, so give me my inheritance now. I don't know how you feel about that. That's pretty awful. But the father gave him the inheritance and let him go and squander it. And the story, as we all know, the story goes that at one point he was eating the same food as the pigs and he came to his senses, the Bible says, and he says, even the servants in my father's house are better off than me. So I'm just going to go and ask my father to make me a servant in his house. And the story goes that he starts going home. His father is looking out and sees him coming. And what does his father do? He runs out to meet him. And he's going, I just want to just make me a servant. I'm not worthy of anything. And the father says, be quiet. Put this robe on your back. Put this ring on your finger. We've thrown a party because my son who was lost is now come home. His love for his son was unconditional. Even though his son had done the worst possible thing, he still loved him. To put it simply, there is nothing you could do to make God love you more. You can be the best person you could ever try to be. You could help little old ladies across the road. You could save pets from the, rescue pets from the RSPCA and adopt them and all those sorts of things. You could give a show a million dollars for Good Samaritan Ministry. You could do all these great things, but it will not make God love you anymore. But at the same time, there is nothing you could do to make God love you any less as well. No matter what you've done no matter what you're even maybe doing right now that is not honouring God, it's not going to make God love you any less. The third thing about God's love is that God's love is empowering. 1 John 3.1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God's love empowers us to become his children, to become a part of his family. That means we enjoy all the benefits of being a member of God's family. It's our inheritance. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. And so just like our natural parents, we will reflect the nature of our heavenly parent. And this is the exciting thing. Is Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So think about that for a moment. Our God sent Jesus to earth to conquer sin and death. And that means that we have now inherited that same power. 
that we have inherited through faith the power to overcome sin and death, that we now have eternal life, that we have now have everything that God has available to us. How empowering is that? Think about that for a moment, that God says everything I have is yours. And this is the incredible promise that we have. And this is the incredible thing that God's love does for us. Nothing can change. This is the amazing thing with God. Yes, nothing can change God's love for us. So nothing you can do will make God love you any more or any less. But let me say this. God loves us so much that he won't leave us as we are. Does that make sense? He wants to empower us to be children of God. So nothing we can do can make God love us more. Nothing we can do can make God love us any less. But at the same time, God will never will love us so much that he will never leave us as we are. This is where grace and love are so closely aligned. They work together. And God's free gift to us is that he transforms us into children of God when we put our faith in him. Think of the lost son, the prodigal son. He sat in the pig pen and he came to his senses, the Bible says, and he said, even the, the servants in my father's house are better off than me. So in that moment, he understood his father was a good man, someone who treats people well. And he thought, well, I'm going to call on that goodwill. And as he stepped out of that pig pen and made a decision to walk back to God, to his father, his father came back and met him. And sometimes that's all it takes for us, is that we would be like the lost son and just come to our senses and say, God, I've been trying to do this in my own strength, but I'm sorry, I need your help. And his love is there. And it transforms us and empowers us to live for him. So we understand that God's love is unlimited. It's unconditional and it's empowering. But I want to just dig a little bit deeper into God's word and look at what does that mean in our everyday life? How does that look in our everyday life? Because the Bible gives us a really clear definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. We know it all. We've all probably read it or seen it on a poster or somewhere like that. But in it, it defines love very clearly. And I love it because it, it, it gives you a clear understanding of what the love of God is talking about. Because we live in a world where love is very distorted. People have weird ideas about what love really is. People write songs about it. But... Uh, the reality is God has shown us really clearly what love looks like. It says in, Rome, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. We all know this, we've heard it. But we need to hear it again and again and again because so often we stray from what love really is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It doesn't keep track of wrongs. 
it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Now, sometimes we look at that, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, and we think, yeah, it doesn't rejoice at sin in the world and the bad things that happen. What that actual original language says there, it does not rejoice when people get caught out in wrongdoing. Because our mentality often as humans is we see someone fall from grace, we see them get caught out doing the wrong thing, we go, oh, they deserve that. I knew there was something wrong with them. There was something I was a bit fishy about those guys. And we, we sort of glory in the fact that they've been caught out. But God says, no, we don't rejoice in wrongdoing. We don't rejoice in that happening, which is really important. And then it's the next bit, but we rejoices, but love rejoices with the truth. What does that mean? That's that idea that, let me use this example, an addict, when an addict acknowledges they have a problem. That's the truth we, we rejoice in. When we realize we're going wrong and we need to go right. That we're, we're, we're messed up and we're trapped and we say, hey, I need help. I need help. That's the truth we rejoice in. And then it goes on to say, love never stops being patient, never stops believing, and never stops hoping. Never gives up. Love never fails. Now, if we go by what we've been talking about, God's actions show us God's character then the reality is that this is actually a description of God himself. So very simply, if you want to know what God is like, then you could easily interchange the word love, if God is love, for the word God. Let's read it again. God is patient. Who's grateful for that? God is kind. God does not boast. God is not proud. Jesus said it himself, I am humble and lowly of heart. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. How important is that for us to know? God is not easily angered. God doesn't keep a track of wrongs. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And we see that beautiful picture of that very case when the woman caught in the act of adultery is thrown at Jesus' feet. Does he glory? Yes, she is a sinner. We need to stone her. No, he brings truth to that place and says, you without sin cast the first stone. God rejoices with the truth. God never stops being patient. What's it say? God never stops being patient. You hear that? Who needs to hear that today? God never stops being patient. God never stops believing. God never stops hoping. God never gives up. God never fails. This is the God, the God of love who is reaching out to you and me. This is the love, the God Jesus, who left heaven, gave up his divinity, laid it aside to become human like you and I. This is the Jesus who went to a cross and gave his life. 
because he wanted us to know that nothing can separate us from his love. Because if we say nothing can separate us from God's love, let me say this, nothing can then separate us from God. Nothing, not even sin. It did once, but because of God's love and because of Jesus' actions, nothing can separate us from God now. I don't know about you, but I feel like for myself, so often so much stuff happens in my life and I know probably in our lives that make us feel like we don't deserve God's love. But God, I really believe God wants us to know today and I I really want to hammer home this point. I really want us to understand it, but... God wants us to know today that his love can't be earned. He gives it freely because it is who he is. You might feel unworthy. You might feel like a failure. You might feel broken. You might be hurting. Things have happened to you that you can't explain. Maybe some of us are angry and bitter but God wants you to know that that makes no difference to how he feels about you. God's love is different from anything you've ever known, anything you've ever experienced. As I said, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. Because at the end of the day, as I've said here already during this series, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's all about God. It's not about what you do. It's all about what God has done. This is what God wants us to know. And today, our God, the God who is love, is saying to us in this place, I love you. 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 My question to us, to me, today is will we accept his love? Will we embrace his love? Will we cling on to his love and hold on to it with everything we have? And allow it to transform us into who he created us to be, his children. I want to finish with this last scripture. In 1 John 4.16, it says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And then it says these powerful words. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in them. Will we set up home with God today? Will we make his love our home? Will we let it adorn us in every way? Let it, would we let it be a part of every part of our lives and say, God, I want your love to be my guiding light in everything I do. 
I grasp hold of the fact that you accept me as I am. I grab hold of the fact that you are, your love has come to empower me and strengthen me and make me more than a conqueror. Not so I can be something big and special, but just so that I can be your child and reflect that to the world around me. Will we embrace his love this morning? Will we accept his love? No matter where you're at today, maybe this is a hard message for you to hear because you don't feel loved. But the reality is, the truth says, the word of God says, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And it's got nothing to do with what you've done or not done. It's everything to do with him. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? Why don't you just take a moment to reflect on what we've talked about, the love of God and who he is. I'm not going to do a big thing here now or ask for a response or anything, but I, I would ask you just to in some way reach out to God's love. Acknowledge God's love for you. Embrace God's love. Abide in it right now. Because his love is in this place right now. God's love is here and he's, he's here to restore, to encourage, to reconcile, to empower. Just take this opportunity to reach out to him. As simply as you can, maybe like the lost son in the pig pen, just say, come to your senses and say, God, I just need you. I need your love. I acknowledge your love because it is everywhere. Lord God, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth that it is, that you are love and your actions prove it. And God, I just pray for each one here that we'd have a fresh understanding of how true that is. But it wouldn't stop there, but it would transition into the way we live our lives. That the people around us, we see through your eyes, through your eyes of love. That our families, our workmates, our student friends, everyone that we encounter, we'd see through the eyes of love. Help us to also live a love that is unlimited, a love that is unconditional and a love that is empowering. Help us to live out that kind of love. We know we can't do it in our own strength, so we humble ourselves before you and ask for your help. 
Fill us with your love so that we can love others like you love us. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.